Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's D-C-N-E-W-S-35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, welcome whichever time zone, whichever multiverse planet you're on to the DC Comics News Podcast and tonight is special, it's episode 101 and I'm joined by three fantastic friends, the wonderful, the marvellous, the bouncing Brad Felicki. <laughs> hey everyone. <laughs> and super, the S stands for hope, Seth Singleton. Hello, hello, hello. And Kelly, don't go out after dark unless it's DC after dark gains. <laughs> hello, hello. We're back. The original Fantastic Four. I've missed you all so much. Yes. Oh, missed you, Steve. Steve. Missed everybody. Although, Brad, although Kelly, Steve it's good to hear all your voices. Yeah, but yeah, Steve and I, we've been we've been in touch. We've been doing a few of these. Oh yes, and we've been chatting on the on the sidelines as well about various other nefarious <laughs> schemes we have plotting behind the scenes. But tonight, tonight is about news. What news, you ask? DC news, and we'll start with dum 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 the movies. And well, what a way to start. Walter Hamada has extended his tenure as DC Films president. And, uh, well, we can't say it's been an easy ride for him, but uh, he's here and it looks like he's here to stay at least for a while. Brad, what did you make of this story? Uh, you know, I think um, there's that that old saying, uh, don't uh, switch horses in midstream. Uh, I, I think with all those new projects that DC's announced and how they're really trying to integrate and expand the the hbo max presence i think it kind of makes sense to um to stay with him even though it's it's he, he's definitely had some hit and misses i think that right now we're on a pretty good trajectory with these um with these film projects and tv projects so yeah that's that that didn't come as a shock to me uh seth what do you think that sounds like the kind of quote that i would bungle the only thing i can remember about streams is my ghostbusters which has never crossed them uh, otherwise, I uh, I was not surprised. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the bits of wisdom I have, I try and keep straight. And when I get it crooked, well, please just chuckle with me, not at me or maybe near me. I, I'm not surprised by this decision. I know that, as Steve, you pointed out, there has been uh, some bumpy moments along the way. But, Brad, as you also pointed out, 
the success so far of recent projects and the fact that one of the reasons why he came on was after his involvement in Shazam makes it seem like this is the uh, the choice that's here to stay for the moment. And, you know, at the same time, if you've had or if anyone who has raised concerns or had issues before knows, sometimes despite what you might wish, the devil you know is better than the one that you don't. So there might be issues continuing along the way, but that doesn't mean that there's some uh, unpredictability to expect. You know, you know that there might be problems, you know how they've arisen in the past. It might actually showcase ways to find forward momentum uh, now that this announcement's been made. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think they've, they've, yeah, as you said, they've had hits and misses, uh, but the hits have been good hits, and we're we're in a decent place right now. Um, you know, as both of you guys said, there are projects on, on the horizon that are exciting, that everyone's interested in, and there has been so much change at DC lately with all of, you know, people getting laid off, with AT&T acquiring everything. It's just... I, it's probably for the best that we keep something consistent. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. It's, what's the other saying? The, uh, I don't know. I'm out of saying. Steve, what about you? You got a saying? <laughs> you all called it. Uh, I have many sayings. Some of them might even make sense, but tonight I'm just <laughs> going to stick to the news. I, uh, Brad put it perfectly. You don't switch a horse mid-race. He's... Um, done pretty good stuff. I mean, on the whole, since he took over, DC have been on a roll. I mean, look at Joker, um, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey being voted number one action movie of 2020. Um, it's all pretty good. Um, despite some very mixed reviews, which I don't get, I thought Wonder Woman 84 was fantastic. I loved every second of it. I really, really enjoyed the film. So, yeah, he, he seems to be doing okay. So, um, as long as he keeps doing okay, keep him on board. But, uh, as the next story points out, not everybody likes him. But hey, we've talked about this before, and it doesn't seem like this story is going away anytime soon. Ray Fisher has denied he stepped down, but if he says he won't work with Walter Hamada again, doesn't that mean he kind of has? Um, Brad, what do you make of this turn of events? You know, this story never seems to be any more figured out or uh or presented in a way that i can even make heads or tails out of as far as what's really going on with allegations and and so forth um you know uh i do think it's a bold statement for him to say that jeff johns will be leaving warner brothers i mean i you know jeff johns is a pretty big deal at dc so you know i that's a it's a pretty bold statement that you know, has yet to be backed up on. So take that with a grain of salt. But I still, you know, I still admire admire Ray Fisher's want to still stick with, you know, with the character. So it's just it's it's a big old mess that still is not any closer to being to being sussed out. Uh, Seth, what do you think? This one really makes me ask a lot of questions too, and try to consider how Ray Fisher's statement can also be one that's uh, perhaps a bargaining or positioning move. Because Steve, as you pointed out, if he's not going to uh, work with Mr. Hamana, which he has already said so, then how can this play out any other way? And yet 
you know, Brad, you've also pointed out the fact that <laughs> things don't always seem as clear cut as they, they could be or should be. When it comes to looking at this story, the best that I can try and read into it is Ray Fisher saying, I'm not resigning, but I'm not going to work with Amada. What are we going to do about this? It feels like it's still part of a negotiation in which you're standing firm on your demands, but how can you continue to do so? Well, then you potentially leave it up to the studio or others who are fixers to work behind the scenes to come up with solutions. There's been times where great things have happened when two parties disagreed, and it was possible to find a way for there to have limited, if any, contact between the two most fervent oppositions, and yet also have all this productivity occur around them. Those who can you know, be part of the process and yet also help provide a clear line between the two, still let him finish out the terms of his contract, whatever it might have been, however it might be uh, related to changes in, you know, leadership at the top or anything else like that. So I feel like this is one in which he's saying, no, I haven't resigned. No, I still don't want to work with this person. And yet I'm not leaving. And that's really actually, I, I think, the clearest way I can try and sum up whatever it was I was completely trying to say there. Kelly, I'm passing the mic. Yeah, I, this story is very troubling. Um, because on one hand, I'm still not entirely positive. I, I know what Ray Fisher has said, but I'm, I'm still not exactly sure what's happened. Um, and it, I, I think we, we've talked about this before, that it's just difficult to decide who's in the right or what it is that was done that was wrong that can be corrected because he hasn't really said anything all that specific. Um, and yeah, it's, I, Seth, I think he summed up his statement well, that it's not that he said he won't play cyborg. It's not that he said that he's stepping away from the character. It's that he's refusing to work with, um, you know, the executive in charge, which I, I mean, are those two things mutually exclusive? It seems like the the assumption is yes, but I don't know. I mean, they they pull off some crazy stuff in Hollywood. I, I heard there were two Game of Thrones actors that were exes in real life, so they had a contract that they did not have to see each other on set and have no scenes together. And I mean, if you can pull that off, I feel like you can maybe pull something like this off. But then also I, with Ray Fisher, it's part of, you know, the principle of it, that he feels that he was treated unfairly, um, you know, during the, the first Justice League movie. Um, so it could be more of, you know, a push for change within the actual company. But it, it's just difficult to say because we just haven't gotten too many specifics yet. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Only in Hollywood. That's what I think. Oh, crikey it's like brad said as well that this story doesn't seem to want to go away but um i do see ray fisher's point of view i will not stand for bullying in any form in the workplace or, or any way i see it um that's maybe my upbringing and my love of superhero comics that i don't like bullies and i respect him for standing up for himself but i can also start to see that he is being not childish, I guess, but um, quite um, immature in the way he's handled it. But in the last few weeks, we've also seen Gal Gadot say that she was badly mistreated and she just went straight to the top and it was handled for her. Uh, Joss Whedon has parted way with Warner Brothers and the whole Jeff Johns thing. I think that means that Jeff Johns is moving away from WB, not 
from DC. So I don't know if you guys have spotted a few more projects have come up in the comics world. He wrote the absolute, or sorry, co-wrote, I should say, the superb uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal Secret Origins um, Superboy of uh, Earth Zero issue, which is one of the best comics I read in all of 2020. Oh, and he's got this, oh, it was a fantastic comic, wasn't it? Absolutely brilliant. And he's also got the new image creator own series coming up with Gary Frank and Brad Anderson in Geiger. So maybe he is stepping away from the movie world and going back into comics where a, he can probably do uh, a lot less harm, can't bully people. And he'll be working with people we know he already gets on with and has a fantastic working relationship with and produces beautiful art with. So I don't know. It's a strange one, but, Whatever the case, I wish Ray Fisher every success. I wish Warner Brothers every success with their DC-related movies. And I just want to read some great comics. So I'm not going to delve too deep into it. Let's just hope that this all blows over and any injured parties get um, their rewards and any uh, wrongdoers get their just desserts. That's all I can really say about that one. On better news, um, though it's slightly strange news, our friend Zack Snyder has revealed a strange alternate history photo which was in place before um, we got the original photo of Wonder Woman with Steve and the gang in World War One, And it's a freaky one. Brad, what did you make of this story? You know, when I first saw the headline, uh, I thought that he might be showing it as a way to hint at other things coming with the um, Snyder cut. But uh, it just turns out that this was a cool picture. And it, and it it's kind of a cool reason is that he originally did this because the Crimean war uh, is the first war that, you know, that was actually photographed. So I thought that was an interesting fact that I learned from reading the article, but the picture itself looks, um, it looks, looks pretty badass. I mean, the Wonder Woman does not look, uh, like she's one to be trifled with in this picture. Neither does the soldier she's surrounded with. And one thing that's cool about it too is, to me, it looks very authentic. So, yeah, I thought it was uh, uh, kind of a, a cool picture uh, to finally get to see because it had been like out of focus and things like that in his um, in his room. So yeah, it's it's a cool picture. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Well, as I first was looking at it and trying to zoom in, there was a part of me that was so hopeful, like a League of Ancients. Finally, was this going to be part of, oh, no, that's not it. But I do love that it makes us consider what that would have included if this had actually stayed part of the story. Um, if it was something that Patty Jenkins had also adopted, because the timeline for when uh, Wonder Woman Wonder Woman became part of Man's World would have been a very interesting adjustment. And also, I'm curious what this story would have included, because I really feel that, I mean, there's a really impressive group of warriors around her. And I think they come from enough varied backgrounds that you would have this complex idea that would join all of these forces together. I almost have to wonder if it wouldn't have been something tied to uh, another attempted incursion maybe it wasn't apocalyptic in scale but it was also something that required uh maybe not all powered but all warriors from different groups to band together to fight something off which could have been a, a lovely piece of additional history to include it's one of those uh 
what could have been. And it, it's actually a really interesting way for me to think about the fact that later when we have our, our John Ridley story and the sort of journey he talks about how many things were written and created and then never used because of changes that occurred. This feels like a visual example of that. But Brad, as you pointed out, I also did not know that this was the first time that photography was used. And um, I love the the concept of, of capturing this moment and all the potential story it, it could have hold, held and might still hold. Kelly, I pass to you. Well, I do like the picture, but I I felt very grateful that they didn't go with that concept. Um, just on the grounds that I think one of my issues with some of uh, Zack Snyder's films has been the slight little bit of, uh, you know, kind of, it, there's almost an unrecognizable quality that some of his takes on heroes take on. Um, and I mean, with Wonder Woman, they they shifted her timeline a little bit, but it's still close enough to when we're we're used to seeing Wonder Woman that it still feels, you know, the the world after the 1900s we're familiar with modern day. It's you know we we understand sort of the scope of what was going on in the world. We kind of collectively understand what was going to happen next. So it, it makes her, I think, more poignant of a character in that way. Um, and and so if. It had happened, you know, if she had been a hero that came out, say, 50 years earlier, I just, I don't know that it would come across the same way. I don't know that we would feel as familiar with the world that Diana was interacting with. Because part of the cool thing about seeing her come to the world of Van is seeing her learn all of these things that we know. And it's like, oh, that's ridiculous. She doesn't know what a dress is. And, you know, but it, it just, I feel like it would shift it almost a little too far into the past to bump it back any further. So. It is a very cool picture, and I, I do actually really, really like the way those warriors look. I mean, that is a tough bunch of people. Um, but I, I think I'm definitely happy overall with how they ended up going with the movie. So, I mean, it's a funny Easter egg. It's good to know, but I might have liked Wonder Woman a little bit less if they'd gone in that direction. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I completely agree. World War One was a definitely a much better direction to take the character, particularly with um, introducing characters like Steve Trevor, because there's no way he would have been around, um, at least as a pilot back in the Crimean War. But the main negative criticisms I've seen online, because obviously I look at all these news stories as editor for Dark Knight News, so I do see a lot of this stuff before we talk about it on the show, is people saying, like you said, um, Kelly, that sometimes it seems like Zack Snyder doesn't know these characters at all, particularly is the fact that she seems to be holding a string of severed heads and while she is doing that and while that isn't very wonder woman let's not forget that just because she's holding them doesn't mean she did the severing of said heads it may mean that she uh, invaded the camp of the horrible um, people that did sever those heads because let's remember the crimean war was a vicious brutal and bloody war apart from being the first one photographed it's also one of the most brutal and barbaric and those things did happen so did she stop the people who were doing the brutalizing or did she do the brutalizing herself i'll let fans who know wonder woman make up their own minds but on the other side yep the photo is brilliantly done it looks real uh, the way it's blurred at the edges and darkened and almost looks like it's been aged really really fits um let's just say it could make for an interesting elsewhere story but uh yeah 
good stuff i, I um, always like to hear artists talk about their art and wonder what could have been but what else could have been the justice society in world war Two. Ooh, baby now you're talking my language and we've seen the first snippets of the voice cast who will be appearing in the world war Two based justice society animated movie damn i'm excited brad what about you uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a, overall I'm excited for uh, for this movie for sure. Um, you know, it's a definitely a, a good time for the Justice Society in comics and in the wider media with Black Adam and Star Girls. So yeah, more Justice Society, I'm I'm all there. You know, um, but I gotta say that with the and maybe you guys can help me fill in some of these blanks. But the only uh, name that I really recognized for the cast was. Uh, Matt Bomer uh, from, you know, from Doom Patrol as the Flash. Uh, so, yeah, guys, do you, you know, maybe you can help fill in those blanks for me if uh, if these, you know, if if you recognize any of these names. Uh, Seth? I cannot. <laughs> I only recognize Matt Bomer. And after that, I sort of chuckled and said, well, I'll be curious to discover how these other voices I'm not as familiar with will introduce these characters to me. I uh, overall was excited to see that Justice Society will be part of the animated universe and have their own story. And I love the stories about them in World War II. I, I love all the mythology that goes with it. And I don't know, there's something about this that just feels fun in a way that the Justice Society has always felt to me and the way these characters always have. Uh, I was intrigued by the fact that Matt Bomer is the Flash, and yet Armin Taylor is Jay Garrick. So now I'm just having a little bit of fun with that. Kelly, what was your take? Yeah, I'm not too familiar with these voice actors either. Um, but overall, I'm just excited to see this movie. I, I am such a huge fan of a majority of um DC's animated films, although I will say the one that I didn't like was Gotham by Gaslight, and that is by, uh, I think, Jim Krieg, the same um, same producer who's doing this movie, but I mean, that doesn't necessarily, that's neither here nor there, that doesn't necessarily mean that I won't love this movie. Um, and yeah, it's, the, this still of art looks amazing, it seems like it's going to be a really fun story. And hopefully after this, I will have a reason to Google more voice actors because every once in a while I'll hear a performance in a, a TV show or a movie and I'm like, who is that? That, that, that voice is awesome. So, you know, we'll see. But um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see this. What about you, Steve? Hey, I'm excited to see the Justice Society after so many years of not having them in the pages of the comics. The fact that they're back in comic book form or will be very shortly. And we're going to get an animated movie too. Hey, that just makes me smile. That just makes me happy. And like you said, um, I, I don't really recognize most of the voice actors they've mentioned. Obviously, I do recognize Matt Bomer because he's doing some incredible work over at uh, Doom Patrol. But um, the fact that we're getting this film is a plus. It's a positive. Like you said, Kelly, most of the DC animated movies have been absolutely stellar. There's only one I haven't liked, and that was Hush, because for me, it just really varied far too uh badly from from the original source material it didn't honor it or respect it in the way that i deserve it should be but hey that's just opinion other people liked it so great i'm glad about that so 
I'm just happy to see the Justice Society. I'm looking forward to seeing this film, and please let them do this one right. But um, yeah, even though I don't recognise this particular cast list, one name I definitely do recognise is Dave the Animal Batista, who apparently turned down a role in Justice. Uh, sorry, in um, it's uh, oh god, I've lost my mind. <laughs> Is James Gunn's James Gunn's The Suicide Squad? I keep seeing Zack Snyder, and Zack Snyder's burning through my mind that I forget any other director's name. Snyder cut what? Snyder cut who? Ah, Dave Bautista passed up a role in The Suicide Squad. Um, this is weird because him and James Gunn are buddies. So, what did you make of this story, Brad? Well, it seems like they're still buddies, so I think that's a good thing. Um, didn't seem like it ruined their relationship, from what I can tell. Uh. And I got to say that this is making me really, to you know, to turn down a role in a film that was made by your friend that you get along with and have a history with. You have to do that for a spe- very special reason. So that makes me really curious about um, Army of the Dead, which is, you know, Zack Snyder's next movie. Um, you know, his is, you know, Zack Snyder came on the scene with um, uh you know, the um, Dawn of the Dead, or was it Day of the Dead remake that was that kind of really uh, exceeded people's expectations. So maybe this Army of the Dead is really, really something special. So, um, you know, and, and hopefully it'll be a right choice because it looking like the buzz behind Suicide Squad is, is pretty good so far. So, um, yeah, well, I guess we'll time will tell if it's, you know, a good decision. Uh, Seth? I kind of feel like Dave Bautista is in one of those positions where he can try to do as much as possible. I mean, the the number of roles he's picked up, you know, whether it was Guardians, whether it was the, uh, what was it, Stuber, I think it was called. And more recently, I was home visiting my mom, and she put on the one where he's a CIA agent, and he gets partnered with a little girl. I mean, when you're talking action to comedy and then looking at a potential what sounds like horror movie that either will be straight horror, maybe with some comedy, something else, uh, enjoy the opportunity to, you know, play around a little bit. See if you can you know, stretch as far as possible and find out where some of your biggest opportunities can follow afterwards, because Really, he's already got uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 probably to look forward to. And in the meantime, absence makes the heart look, you know, absence makes the heart feel just a little bit fonder towards that that you're missing. So the chance that they'll get to reunite later will be that much more strengthened. He gets to work with Snyder, which seems like a really interesting decision. Also, perhaps behind the vision behind the project. Brad, you've, you know, pointed to something I'm interested in. Why would this be? enough of a draw for him to make that decision and also maybe it was just part of trying to branch out as far as possible work with other directors learn more come back to one that you've worked with again and and see what else you know the two of you might have learned along the way that's always a great journey and discovery and I, I think it's a an interesting story that for me speaks more to my intrigue that's now been developed for Army of the Dead and uh, how much I want to see a trailer and find out whether or not I can maybe make a decision about seeing it. Kelly, what was your take? Yeah, I, I think it, it probably 
I mean, I, I don't know Hollywood personally, but it, it's probably normal for, you know, people who work really well together and, and get along to not necessarily, you know, jump into every project with each other that they're offered. Um, and especially it seems like he wants to kind of be, uh, you know, be seen as a more versatile actor. So maybe doing something that was, you know, going from one huge superhero movie to another huge superhero movie, kind of, you know, at some point you might end up feeling like you're pigeonholed in the t- into that kind of role or like that's the the image that people remember for you uh, more so than someone who's been in all these different movies and played all these different characters and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I get it. And I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is, huge so it's not it wouldn't be crazy to think maybe he just doesn't necessarily want to be the superhero guy you know that's I I get it and um yeah I mean it must be a really interesting project though because at the same time James Gunn seems to be everyone's favorite person in Hollywood to work with so you know it's I I think yeah if he's giving this up then that we probably have something great on the horizon or at least something relatively spooky which i'm fine with too uh what do you think steve the hive mind is in full effect once again everything all three of you said absolutely um for him to turn down a role with james gunn must mean that the script for uh the Zack snyder movie is really really good so if that means that we're going to get another fantastic horror movie horror comedy whatever it is with dave batista in it i'm all for it because like you said kelly um he's a guy who's trying to diversify he's not just doing action flicks and the fact he's trying to do different roles and i don't know if you guys have seen uh blade runner 2049 the blade runner sequel he's got a small part in that but it's brilliant he really is playing a dramatic role he's not a a muscle man or or a hero in any way shape or form he's a a scientist in that and it's a very subdued quiet well-acted piece of work so good for him um the fact he doesn't just want to do action movies and don't get me wrong i love dwayne johnson the rock is one of my all-time heroes but um he hasn't done the diversity of roles in two decades in cinema that dave seems to be doing so much success to mr batista i hope he uh, proceeds and i hope to see he achieves his dreams and plays as many varied and different roles as possible fantastic and uh hey i'll never say no to a zombie movie that's just the way i am sadly but um speaking of movies there's a film I think all of us really rated, and I can't believe how long ago it's it's now been since it came out. But uh, over here, in this little grey nation called the United Kingdom, a certain Joker movie has actually been the biggest home movie of all of last year. Now, Brad, I know you and I have fondness for this film and its soundtrack, so what did you make of this record-breaking news? Yeah, this is, there is, you know, I, and I've said this uh, before, but there is just something about this film that really resonated uh, with audiences on, you know, on, on a deep level. And, um, you know, and, and I know that the Joker is a controversial character in in society, you know, just for those reasons that, that there's a certain segment that looks up to him as some kind of hero. And that part I think is, is definitely a negative, but I think that there is 
something that's a little deeper than that that's resonating with this film. And I think that that the fact that it is still so popular that it's stopping, you know, topping the charts now still is is a sign that this is this is just a, a definitely a modern day day classic that's not that's not going anywhere. Uh, Seth, what do you think? It's impressive how there was a part of me that wasn't overwhelmed by this number. It, it was probably right around whelmed, but it was expected. And it's this feeling that not only did it strike on a moment that felt like it, it resonated so well with the time that we were living in, but also like any resonance, it seemed to expand outward, rippling upon, striking a bell and feeling that continuing wave of its impact and i think one of those feelings that was so well emoted in the music from that film was this feeling of how lonely the periods were of how difficult they were of how much was going on from each stage of progression from the time that movie begins to when we see it close and also how much that can really sort of connect with us about moments we felt, what we've seen others struggle with, and and keep in mind that this was a message that, you know, I, I think it was really said, well, goes deeper than that, goes deeper than just who the Joker has been so far, and what this idea of a person who is so clearly struggling, has faced so many challenges, and for all other descriptions, feels so damaged when we see them, that you you're wondering if anything could have been changed or if this was inevitable. And and that's that kind of challenge that the movie raises because this is a story that could be told in so many, so many ways and so many times and so many places, but it, it connects with us now. It connects with our remembering of, of a period of history, like the one that I feel it does such a great snapshot of. And it's, it's a haunting reminder that there are reasons why we should continue to connect with that specifically through the music and the emotion that comes with it, because there's an importance behind it for all of the difficulty, for all of the pain, for all of the struggles that that movie portrays. It also shows us things that we can potentially do something about, but we can't ignore it. We can't push it away. We need to remember that our connection to it is the first step in how we can play whatever role we might be able to into changing what shouldn't be an inevitable. I'm stopping there. Kelly, how about you? No, well said. And it is one of those movies that I think, yeah, it's it's going to be a modern classic. Um, I and I know so many people who went to go see it and were floored by it. Who, um, you know, typically wouldn't go to see a, a comic book movie um, because it, it was just that impactful and stunning and terrifying. And I, I, I think I've said this before, but it's so stuck in my memory that that was the only movie I can think of where everybody left the theater in dead silence. Like, even I went with a group of six people because this was, you know, pre-apocalyptic times. And we, like, all the way into the parking lot, I think we got to our cars before we started talking again. Um, and it, it's just a great movie in that way. And it definitely does, uh, you know, stuff like you were saying, it speaks to... A feeling of, of loneliness and isolation, which is certainly something that people are dealing with um, throughout COVID and, you know, kind of that feeling of being shut off from the world and also the world outside seems crazy and 
getting crazier every day. Um, and it's it's cathartic to be able to watch that play out on screen. Uh, it, in a sense, the loneliness on screen makes you feel less alone in the world as a whole, because clearly if so many people were able to pull something out of this movie, um, then it's, there are a lot of people who feel the same way that, you know, any of us do when we're feeling um, isolated or cut off from the rest of the world. Um, and it's, yeah, it just, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that this movie has done so well in the UK or anywhere else, because it just, I, I think this is a universal thing right now. I think our, our entire society is feeling a kind of isolated panic, almost. I, I, I wouldn't know the exact words to describe it, but Joker knows the feeling and the music, like you were saying, Seth. So this, this doesn't shock me. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, this is one of those films, I've said it before, that the best fiction holds a mirror up to society. This one didn't so much hold a mirror up. It's like it, it went up to the window, opened it and just took a look out. And like you all said, it was a glimpse at a world, even though this was set 30 years in the past, 40 years in the past, even if it's the 70s. But it was still so relevant and so real now. The way that people with mental health issues are treated, the way society treats anyone who's a little bit different right to this present day 2021. Um, I know people who say that they didn't necessarily like this film, but that it resonated with them. It made them feel something. And that, to me, is the highest... Um, respect any you can give any art form where it's made you feel something whether you liked it or not the fact that long after you've walked out of the theater or you've turned off your blu-ray player or um shut down the, the screen on your laptop or switched off your tablet that you've seen this film and it still plays on your mind um very few pieces of art tend to do that, especially in this day and age where everything's so disposable, everything's so watch it now and forget about it. This film isn't like that. This film is like one of those great albums that you keep listening to again and again and again. And every time you do, you hear something new or one of those books that you shut the cover and then you still talk about it to your friends and your relatives. It's one of those films. And you've all said it, this one will go down in history as a classic because for me, this isn't even a comic book movie. It may be a film based on a character who appears in comic books, but this is a film about the world and how humanity treats or mistreats um, humans. How sometimes the, all the horror movies in the world with all the creatures and zombies and vampires and werewolves aren't scary. But the way human beings treat each other, that is, that we sometimes can be the ultimate monsters. And that's why this film is still so powerful. And I'm not surprised at all, particularly in a world where everyone's locked in on their homes and all they can really do is try and absorb as much art or entertainment as they can or go crazy, that this film is the one that had the highest sales on home video, be it digital or, or purchased in 2020 in the UK. I'm sure when the figures come out of the US, it'll be right up there too. So, wow, um, brilliant. What else can I add to that? So, 
Moving on from Mr. Kerr and his redneck buddies, let's talk about another mystery character who might not be as mysterious anymore. Um, an actress who will be appearing in Dwayne Johnson's Blackadder movie may have given away who she's actually playing. And I know that Brad and Seth will definitely have something to say about this now that they've seen the new 52 covers. Brad, what's your take? Yeah, I think that um, those those 52 uh, covers that she posted a picture of, I think that that, that is a definite hint that we are going to get to see her play Isis. And, um, you know, I, I've always liked uh, Sarah Shai, and I'm glad that she... Um, that you know that she's coming back around. I haven't seen her in things in a while, so I'm, I'm psyched that she's going to be in this. And I think Isis will be a, uh, a pretty good, uh, you know, a pretty good fit for her. Uh, and, and again, I, I'm just happy to see that this production is moving forward. That's a good sign. It's a good sign these days. Uh, Seth, what do you think? You know how there's that moment where you think you have the right answer and you don't even want to look you just want to feel like you're going to trust that you've got the right answer and then you go and look to double check when i saw the teaser for this story when i saw the link my brain went oh come on oh come on just please please and then as i clicked the link and scrolled down and saw the actor's face sarah shahi the first thing i said was it's isis it's gotta be it's gotta be I mean, immediately I, I saw this very uh, regal and I don't know, there was something that connected with me immediately. Then I'm scrolling down and I'm like, dude, to do reading the stuff. And then I see the 52 and I'm like, oh, it's happening. <laughs> like, there's not even a question in my mind anymore. If I'm wrong on this, I am totally OK with it because I have been set up with all the clues that to me say that's exactly what we're expecting here, that Adriana Tomas is going to show up, that maybe we can see uh, her brother and the powerful story that they shared together. And that brings the humanity to Black Adam that this movie would just totally ring from. I'm I'm thrilled at the idea of it. I mean, my heart leapt that that is that is one of those moments that that made 52 such uh, a lovely thing to always return to um, what she does, how she sees the world that the sort of it's almost like executive thinking, the ability to go so far above the problem to then see what the best solution is with one simple stroke. And I had that feeling the moment I saw uh, the image of the screenshot from I'm guessing that's from person of interest. I, I'm not familiar with other work. I just know that as I scrolled past, I was like visual cue number two, backing up my initial thought, visual cue now with the 52 curve. Are you kidding me? This is, and I'm excited because now this is another film I could take my wife to. Um, she remembers Isis from the original TV series to which when DC Universe came on and I was able to show her that and sort of like reconnect her with her childhood, it, it was just as joyful for me to imagine what it would be like to one day see Isis from 52 make an appearance. This, yeah, if you're hearing like this, like gold humming sound coming out of my voice, that's my hope just like ringing. Like, I swear you've turned my heart to gold with just absolute joy. And 
I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be more excited. I am, I am elated. Kelly, how about you? Ah, Seth, that was so hopeful and nice. And now I feel terrible because <laughs> I am so far behind the eight ball that I'm not. I'm not. I know nothing about this. I, I I'm not familiar with ISIS. Um, but you guys are really excited about it. And that tells me that I should go back and, and read 52. Um, because clearly yes. I am missing some solid gold. So without further ado, Steve. <laughs> Kelly, go and read 52. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> go and read 52. Um, it's weird because during the first lockdown at the beginning of last year, one of the things I did was decide to go back and reread old stories I hadn't read in a while. And that's more or less where I started with 52. And guys, I mean, tell me if you agree that this story is where Black Adam ceased to be a villain and took the first steps to, towards becoming the hero stroke anti-hero that we know him as today. And it's all because yeah. of her, all because of ISIS. Um, so that's a huge part of making that character a lot more identifiable, a lot more sympathetic. So if that's the way they're going to go, like you said, Seth, may your S of hope shine brightly in the night, my brother. I am right there with you. And we know the character can work because she's more or less been in the last season and a half of DC's Legends of Tomorrow on the CW as well, obviously renamed Zari because of the uh, political and slightly terroristic implications that the name ISIS holds for younger viewers. But obviously, like you said, for your other half, Seth, anyone growing up in the 70s and the 80s will have a much different um, view of that name. They'll see the hero ISIS, who to me, oh, as a kid, probably just behind Wonder Woman as the, the number one superhero, just because of the fact she was on TV and she was an inspiration. And even back then, uh, a character who wasn't your typical Caucasian white um, superheroine with the blonde hair and the blue eyes, or even the black hair and the blue eyes of Wonder Woman, she was something different and unique. And the fact that we could be getting her and please, Lord, let those 52 covers be pointing to that. Amen, guys. Definitely. I am so pumped for this. Um, Kelly, yeah. Read the story, not just because of ISIS, but because it's just a great story regardless. Yeah. It's, it's a classic. It's one of DC's greats. And that's when they proved that a weekly comic can still work. And there are so many surprises, so many shocks, so many characters acted in ways you never would have believed. And so much came out of it. Um, that led all the way to Infinite Crisis. Yeah, do I'm sure it's on DC Universe, right, guys? Yeah, I think it, it is, should I be. And I mean, let me just add along the way, you, I fell more in love with Ralph Dibney, with oh, hell John yeah. Henry Irons. Yes. I fell more in love with each of these characters. Will Magnus became someone mm -hmm. who I wanted to read everything about. And there were so many beautiful moments in that, but but really one of the, the heartbeats of that series was was the love story uh, between Black Adam and Isis, Adam and Isis, and to to uh, just quote the old show, man, oh mighty Isis, hear my call. <laughs> ah, thank you guys. That was that was a lovely moment. Ah, <laughs> my heart. Yeah, Kelly, happy. honestly. 
um, you you will thank us. You'll read the story and say, damn, why have I not read this before? I mean, I've only got the original 52 issues and I need to pick up the collected editions of, of 52 because it's it's that good. And Black Adam literally changed forever in my eyes because of that story. So let's hope, guys. Let's hope. Right. So going from that wonderful vision of hope to a slight hope of being dashed. But hey, this is where I say people report responsibly don't make assumptions because you'll just have your hearts broken the truth behind michael keaton and those batman rumors has been revealed mr filicky your thoughts sir? <laughs> yeah um brooks uh, barnes the you know the reporter who originally reported on the story he was moving apartments and uh reading his tweet he must have been freaked out when he got back to see all the you know all the rumors flying around on something that was kind of misconstrued from what he had reported um you know i think that this is this didn't come as a shock to me either um because uh, i mean let's face it michael keaton's a little be old a little old to be um you know being batman going forward for dc films uh, we would love to have him involved and i think that everybody would love to see him be a bruce wayne in a batman beyond movie uh, I, I mean, I've been seeing those memes, oh, yeah. you know, pretty much since I signed up for Facebook, you know, since memes, memes became a thing. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's there's even though he may not be the quote unquote Batman of the DCEU going forward, I still think that there will be room for him, especially with the concept of, you know, DC and the omniverse and the multiverse and, you know, everything that's going on between the film, TV and comics. I mean, there's definitely, definitely room for him in some form, even if it's not as Batman. Uh, Seth? I, this is one of those stories I didn't know about until I read this and I just sort of chuckled like, wait, so wait, people thought there were going to be two Batman movies? Is that, wait, how far did this get? How wild did it get? And then I paused and reined in a little bit and thought about the rabbit hole I was basically like teetering on the edge of and, and chose not to dive any further. But overall, yeah, Steve, I mean, first things first, let's be responsible when we're reporting. And let's also keep in mind that when we are talking about things that have been re reported responsibly, that if you try and change what is being said to what you want it to mean or think it means, well, it's a quagmire, my friend. It's less of a rabbit hole. You just get sucked in, dragged down, and anyone touching you is going to be in the same place. So don't do not do it. But uh, it sounds like this is just one of those things where, you know, somebody said, hey, this means that. And everyone who decided that was something worth agreeing with just kind of fueled it along i mean think about it spark dry tinder all it takes is a right amount of oxygen a little gust and you got yourself a spreading wildfire it happens so uh <laughs> with this one i just sort of chuckled i even after i read it i was like yeah i'm pretty sure even if i was following this while it was happening a great part of me would be thinking no no get it right come on now get it right Kelly, what was your take? Yeah, you know, sometimes it seems like we as as fans create our own fake news and then get mad that it was created. Yes. <laughs> it, 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 
<laughs> that's really I smart. This happened before, and and recently too, where it's a little tiny thing from one article turns into an entire frenzy on Twitter, and then by the time we get back to the root of it, they're like, "Well, why did you lie to me?" Um, I it, it wouldn't have made sense, um, you know, as Brad said, for Keaton to continue as as the sole Batman in the DC universe at this point because I mean, he he is up there in age and. Even though we love him and are always happy to see him as Batman, um, you know the Batman movies tend to seem like a, a grueling, tough physical endeavor, um, and so much so that I think if I would be entirely too lazy to ever be Batman on screen for that and like forty other reasons. Um, but yeah, it's it's it makes sense, and you guys know I have no love for Ben Affleck as Batman. So I'm sure I would have been excited for a second if, if I had caught wind of this. But yeah, sometimes, I mean, you read the sentence once and you're like, oh, awesome. And then you read the sentence again, and you're like, wait a second. And I feel like it would have been that kind of a scenario. So, you know, it happens, but at least we have, um, <laughs> at least we have diligent or reporters who are diligent enough to come back and say, hang on a second. I never said that because, you know, the, it, it could just spiral worse. Uh, Steve, what do you think? You, I couldn't have put it better myself. You, you've all hit the nail right on the proverbial head. For every responsible, well-written, well-researched uh, DC Comics news or Dark Knight news, there are other clickbait sites who might be boiling hot or think they have things covered, which are literally just clickbait and all they do is take one tiny little seed and grow an entire oak tree out of it which is made out of cardboard um it's just nonsense how they could possibly run with the fact that just because michael keaton is appearing in flashpoint that he's taking over from ben affleck as a dceu superman and see even i'm going into a world of fiction and frolics now uh taking over as a dceu batman from ben affleck (laughs) guys come on listen to us listen to this wonderful show with these wonderful people every week read dc comics news read dark Knight news because we print news that's been researched and based on actual fact and when it's a rumor we clearly state even in our titles rumor um don't believe everything you read on the internet because people people most of it is nonsense but hey I'm just glad to see Michael Keaton back under the cowl, flourishing his cape as Batman again, even if it's just for one movie. If things happen after that, well, let's just wait and see, shall we? That's all I have to say about that. So this is episode 101 of the DC Comics News podcast, and it will resume after these important words from our sponsor. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien... Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have 
all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNEWS35 that's D-C-N-E-W-S-3-5 DCNEWS35 use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform Subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came... The Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I Am the night. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Buck, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. Picture this. 
Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you cuff. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's, that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want to. God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. We have returned. Bigger, brighter, bolder, stronger, and sassier than ever. It's the DC Comics News Podcast, episode 101. We've talked movies in the first half of the show. Now we're going to go and look at the little screen and at comic books, the place where it all started. Our first TV story focuses on Green Arrow and the Canaries. It's a little bit of bad news because this was a series I was looking forward to. Brad, what did you make of this one? Yeah, it's 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 a bummer. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to see this happen. Uh, you know, it's CW seems to be um, kind of leery of taking risks these days. And I wonder if, you know, COVID had anything to do with it, if there's some way down the road to kind of pick up this idea again in the next year or so. I mean, it's just it's a shame. I'd like to, you know, see it become a reality in in some form and it's just a shame uh seth what'd you think i agree it is a shame it is something i would have liked to have seen actually like come to fruition i was intrigued by the development of the uh character of mia smoke and her journey as it was introduced in a future that well for the most part introduced us to some really great 
concepts of what that future could look like and what the offspring of some familiar characters would now be involved in. And I thought it was building towards something that was going to launch. But you pointed out something really helpful, Brad, which is, yes, we know COVID changed a lot of what we thought was happening and what ended up happening. And I, I'm also curious about the idea suggested in the article that we're talking about, that maybe CW is taking a less connected approach, perhaps, uh, which would be exciting for me. These characters could maybe show up in some way on Legends of Tomorrow. I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. And also that right now there is still the plan for Painkiller, a spinoff from Black Lightning to continue. I'm not sure what might be going on to inform more about why one is going and why the other isn't audience response and more. Um, but I am disheartened by the fact that I think this would have been a great addition to CW's lineup. And I would have liked to have seen what the potential could have uh, developed into. Kelly, what's your take? Yeah, I was excited for this too. Um, and even I've only seen, or I guess, I've probably seen all of Arrow at this point, but I, I've seen it in such random batches. But I was excited about this. It just seemed very, um, I mean, you guys know how much I love female superheroes, and this seemed like such a cool team. Um, and, yeah, it, it's disappointing. But I also haven't completely lost hope because it, we are in the middle of COVID, um, and, and studios don't necessarily know how when things are going to change, how well they can utilize their resources. And it might just not have been, um, you know, a, a priority project at this time. But that doesn't mean it won't change in the future. Um, and it doesn't mean that we won't see these characters again, like you guys said, on Legends of Tomorrow or anywhere else. Um, yeah, it, it's a bummer, but I haven't fully written off the, the possibility that we'll get to see this uh, develop a little bit further. What about you, Steve? Well said, Kelly. Thank you for keeping the shining S that stands for Seth, that stands for hope, um, glowing in the night, <laughs> up in the sky, pointed at the clouds like a bat signal, showing us that there is still room for hope in this crazy world we live in. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm really gutted because I, I think, like you said, Kelly, that strong women um, deserve their place place on tv and these three kick-ass ladies have been blowing my mind for a couple of years Catherine mcnamara obviously the new girl on the block but she came in all guns blazing as as mere smoke and she was brilliant in the role she was one of these young actresses who can do uh, sensitivity she can be strong she can be feisty but she's really really vulnerable at the same time and it's amazing to watch katie cassidy's been there from day one from season one episode one of arrow uh, I, I loved her even before that on supernatural and juliana harkavy i mean this lady uh, damn um a couple of years back at a uk comic-con I was at um, one of the comic stalls um, because that's just what I do. I go to look at comics at Comic-Cons as well because I'm weird that way. And I turn around and who's standing behind me? Juliana Hackavy walking around the floor, talking to fans and going to the comic stalls, picking up a couple of issues and generally being an awesome, awesome person. And I was standing there chatting to her and already saying, damn, I should be sitting down and recording this for DC Comics News. But she's just awesome. And the fact that these three ladies 
we're going to get their own show and now it looks like they're not that hurts a little bit because they deserve it so um but kelly no i was gonna be the downer but you changed my mind you and seth and brad my captain of fantastic fashions i love you all you keep me shining you keep me smiling in this horrible world we're currently living in right now so yes we will see green arrow and the canaries on dc legends tomorrow or throughout the arrowverse i am certain of it and if we don't i'll just have to stomp my feet and cry like a big baby and that's just the way i roll okay so moving on from that terrifying image let's talk about something else now let's talk about doom patrol probably the wackiest craziest most brilliant tv show ever made and the fact that it looks like season three is on its way and please lord let us have a resolution to that cliffhanger from season two because i want to wax lyrical i'm so sorry about the pun about the way that ended brad talk to me about (laughs) doom patrol brother yeah i i think we all are happy that this is coming back because like you said steve like this is you know it was slipped on a cliffhanger and coming back to covid i mean that could have delayed us figuring out what's what happened for a while but production has started again so we're up and running and hopefully we'll see it sooner rather than later so this is this is good news all around uh seth what do you think so I'm going to be 100% honest, and when I got the link for this, I buzzed through it real quick, and I was like, Doom Patrol Season 3, blah, 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 trailer, and got all excited and clicked on it and scrolled through, and I was like, wait, this is a story that includes a trailer for something else, and that should, in some way, express the disappointment that I had momentarily at the possibility that I actually wasn't seeing it. Doom Patrol season three trailer, but I did love that this was such a great tease that that's what it made me want to do. So well done. The marketing approach got me at least. And I will tell anyone else, hey, there's got to be a trailer coming if they're showing us stuff like this. So word of mouth begins. You have succeeded. I, I do also agree with both Steve and Brad. Yeah, what a cliffhanger. Are you kidding me? And Steve, Buddy, we can wax poetical until they're setting grooves in it and making it play over on a turntable, buddy. Like, I got no problem with it. Uh, And, you know, maybe we'll even just sit around the fire and tell some stories. But uh, (laughs) I love the fact that, that this is something we also had a chance to gain a little bit of insight on when we had our great conversation with April Bowlby. And she let us know that they were actually one episode shy and they, they had to cut things short and change things up. And that's something we'll get to see as part of that season three, hopefully. And it just reminded me of how great we've enjoyed all of the things so far they've come, the great conversations we've had with people from the show who have given us some things that can even encourage us to look forward to more about season three but mostly just that feeling of even though it doesn't seem like it every once in a while there's a snapshot that reminds us how much of the world is still pushing forward kelly what was your take yeah it is it's definitely heartwarming to hear things going back into production and especially after a cliffhanger because who on top of all of the other nonsense going on also wants to hold in the back of their head and what's about to happen to my favorite characters in one of my favorite shows because it ended out of the blue. 
Um, yes, this is this is just it's a good story. I for a second though, Seth, I did make the same mistake as you because I I saw the word trailer and then I saw uh what was it polar opposites and I was like oh I know that <laughs> I'm not alone I'm not alone <laughs> I we we fake news ourselves um but <laughs> yeah it's just it's good, it's good to hear it's good news it's it's good to hear and um you know hopefully everybody working on set stays safe stays distant wears their masks and nothing has to you know, pause for any emergencies, but you know, it, it is good to see parts of our world starting to to regain their color in a sense. Uh, Steve, what do you think? I just got happy at seeing the four words Doom Patrol season three. <laughs> That's all I had to say. That seeing that alone just went, yeah, baby. The butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker are all coming back, and we're going to see what the actual f is happening after that horrible evil cliffhanger and oh that show that wonderful crazy show i'm counting the days because that that program is one of just the best things that ever happened to television television was made for doom patrol as far as i'm concerned i love that show so much so sign me up i'm there I'm not going to talk about any misleading things and the fact that I also got roped in because I saw the word trailer because you guys have done it for me. So <laughs> fake news. I hate you. Trump, what have you started? Ah, but at least you can't tweet anymore. Sucker. Anyway, I digress. Let's not talk politics. Let's talk DC. And another piece of DC news is we're going to meet Kayla, a fearsome warrior with a high body count in the approximate season of dc's legends of tomorrow yes alia o'brien is coming our way brad what did you make of this strange piece of news you know i i like that you know that when we have news about legends of tomorrow it's generally about expanding expanding the cast you know expanding the scope of the show things like that and where cw has kind of been constricting this show is just blowing up more and more so i think that uh, going forward that uh you know things for like crossovers and like you were saying maybe the you know the canaries and things like that this will be the perfect spot for them so i think uh, this is, you know, we're going to see the legends become kind of the center of that C, CW DC universe. Um, and that's, you know, and that's good. And, uh, you know, I can't say that I'm familiar with uh, Leo O'Brien, but, you know, I always congratulate uh, any actor or actress when they become, you know, recurring or regular. So, you know, so good for her. So, um, yeah, I'm intrigued to see what this next season has in store for us. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I know absolutely nothing about Ali O'Brien, and I am 100% excited about this announcement for one reason only. Legends of Tomorrow can do no wrong. I mean, they can absolutely do no wrong from killer unicorns to Bebo. They simply have it all. Puppets, I, I don't care, right? <laughs> and I love how certain parts just become this enduring I mean, look, you know, um, Big Belly Burgers was a great through in a lot of the CW, but there is something about the commitment that has been made by Legends of Tomorrow to every season that it's done and every reference it's willing to make about itself 
Bebo puppets or otherwise. And this self-awareness can only get more interesting with the addition of a new character like Kayla. Uh, you know what? So we didn't get the Canaries. I get it. But let's go ahead and cheer. Kelly, you can join me. I mean, Kayla is a fearsome warrior with a high body count, which should be fun because one thing Legends has not been afraid of is the gore. Uh, Brad, as you pointed out, where everything else might be sort of like constricting and streamlining and maybe even becoming, you know, a bit, you know, specific in how things are done. Legends of Tomorrow plays in the sandbox box and brings its own toys to the party. And along the way, we get this like amazing stuff that uh, it, it's been pretty lovely so far. But I mean, as soon as you added Constantine, as soon as we got Gary, <laughs> as soon as we started playing around more and more with the potential and just how far they were willing to go. I mean, they had me in the first season with the Hawks. And then as we kept going, uh, you know, every new addition, I mean, first it was Zari and then it was her brother. And then uh, there's been some beautiful stuff here. So, you know what, Kayla, welcome, Leo O'Brien. I can't wait to hear some of the inside behind the scenes stories. And this is just a great announcement for me. So, yeah, optimism beaming. You can even see it in the daylight sky if you look. Trust me, it's not just at nighttime. How about you, Kelly? I was so drawn in by the, the description of this character. Because, yeah, a fearsome warrior with a high body count. That sounds awesome. But also right? just the patience for human incompetence. I, I read that line and I was like, I've worked with so many people like that. Like, I'm so excited to see this on screen. Right. <laughs> and I, I will say I'm not very familiar with her work. Um, but yeah, Le Legends, and again, this this is one of those shows I've only seen in bits and pieces, but it always seems like a fun ride. And they seem like they have such a an enthusiastic and fun cast. They seem to get along together. They seem to enjoy what they're doing. Um, and I mean, this is a show that just doesn't care about keeping themselves conformed. Um, and I, I, why not? Let's throw a character like this into the myth. Let's myth, myth. <laughs> throw them into whatever we're going to throw them into. I am, I'm ready to see it. Um, Steve, what do you think? Absolutely. Um, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, like I've said many times before, is like Doom Patrol that anyone in the family can watch. It's like all the wacky, all the crazy, but a little bit more family friendly. And speaking of family, this, there's a huge reason why I'm excited about this new character. I have a niece called Kayla. And her father is already corrupting her with wonderful things like Star Wars. And now... There's a comic book show with a character who shares her name. Let the corruption continue. Let this child grow up to be a glorious nerd butterfly for all to see. Let her spread her wings and let her be a fearsome warrior. Not so high a body count, hopefully, but she will also be someone with very little patience for human incompetence. Because let's face it, um, we've seen a fair amount of that in 2020. So I'm selfish. I just want to see Kayla on TV and watch Kayla on TV with Kayla. That's it. I'm just going to be a selfish, selfish person and say that's my main takeaway. Because again, I'm not too familiar with this, Brian, but uh, thank you for playing someone called Kayla because that has made me smile. Something else that makes me smile on a very regular basis is comic books. Should we talk about comic books? Yes, let's talk about comic books. 
Um, not so great news to start off with. One of my all-time favourite artists, Yannick Paquette, is leaving DC after 10 years as a DC exclusive artist. But hey, he's not quitting comics. He's still going to be drawing stuff. I'm going to hold on to that little ray of hope. Brad, what did you make of this story? Uh, I'll quote Dr. Manhattan and say that nothing ever ends. Uh, he even you know, nice. uh, even says that, you <laughs> know, I'm sure he'll get back. Yeah. <laughs> That he'll get back to, um, you know, back to D.C. at some point. And, you know, we can, you know, I'm sure that will happen. We can all look forward to that. And plus, we have the stuff that he says, you know, these unannounced projects that he's working on to look forward to as well. So I don't think we're going to be, you know, there's not going to be any um, absence of his artwork out there. We just have to wait a little bit till he can, you know, come back to D.C. But hopefully we won't have to wait too long. Uh, Seth, what was your take? You know, the thing that really caught me the most was that he has been the exclusive artist for DC since 2010. And before that, he was the exclusive artist for uh, Marvel. That's quite a bit of exclusivity. At some point along the way, you have to imagine that someone this talented, and I mean, looking at, at some of the uh, things that we're talking about, especially, man, that Wonder Woman Earth One, which has just been a lovely collection that, yeah. Right. Right. So you look at that and you think to yourself, OK, you've done all of the stuff that's been asked of you and that you've been, you know, able to accomplish as an exclusive. What you're so creative and you're so talented. What have you wanted to do on your own that you simply just haven't gotten around to yet or the opportunity wasn't there? Clearly, the decision that he's making is based on a Brad, as you pointed out, unannounced stuff. But it points out afterwards that because he's going to do it. He can't do any work for DC in the near future. So that sounds like a standard contract agreement where, you know, for whatever reason, there's a period of time between starting this project and when it ends when he can't work for DC. But he's also been there for 10 years. And before that, he was with Marvel. It's time for him to show us what he has been wanting to do potentially independently, as it's been suggested. Uh, he has, as of yet, not pursued his own projects. I'd say he's due. And I say the great thing is it sounds like he's leaving on great terms with D.C. who would love to have him back in whatever capacity he's able to return as or in once the, the terms of this new contract. And I get it. You know, one of the things I'm always reminded of when it comes to comics is it's an industry. And I would imagine that given the amount of time he's spent so far in the industry, he probably has a feel for beats and ebbs and flows and when the right time is to pull the trigger on a project of his own and then come on back to whoever has the best arrangement for him once the terms of whatever this new contract would be have passed. So I think it's great to consider what this could be and look forward to potentially talking about former DC artists now on his independent project and how that can be one of the great stories we'll be sharing on here. That's another good reason to stick around and uh, keep listening to us. Yeah. Kelly, what's your take? Yeah, I, I really love uh, Wonder Woman Earth One. So his, I mean, his work is fantastic, and it, it seems well deserved. If you spend, you know, that many years of your career beautifully executing, you know, popular characters um, and working for huge publishers, you you deserve a little break to go do your own stuff and and kind of explore what it is that he can create in his own universe. I mean, to me, that just sounds exciting. Um, 
and and it definitely doesn't mean that we're not going to see his work in DC or or even in Marvel again. So, you know, I I wish him all the best luck, and I will be checking out whatever it is that he does. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Absolutely, he's one of those artists, Kelly. Where if I see his name on the cover, I'll pick it up literally because it's him. Um, Brad and I are huge Swamp Thing fans, and to me, while very few writers have come close to matching Alan Moore's work on the title. One of the few that came close was Scott Snyder's run, which was drawn by Yannick Paquette. And his art actually almost did live up to your Stephen Bissett, John Tottleburn, Rick Veitch, Alfredo Alcala, um, all-time highs of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. His art on that book was simply stellar. And like you said, Seth, his work on Wonder Woman Earth One was just beautiful um whatever he does he's gonna do brilliantly i will pick it up i will read it i will look at it and say damn this guy can draw so dc's loss even though it's temporary is another company's gain and if it means that like this article seems to suggest he's going to be doing his own stuff then that gets me even more excited because like i said this guy can draw And if he's drawing from his own imagination rather than established characters that he's been drawing on for 20 odd years with Marvel and DC, then that gets me even more excited because this guy's imagination. Some of the things he drew in Scott Snyder's Swamp Thing run were truly, yes, horrific because it's a horror comic, but truly imaginative. And his use of borders, his panelling, the way one page would bleed into the next was just simply gorgeous. So, yep, whatever he does, I'm gonna buy it and speaking of people who if i see their names i'm gonna buy it jeff lemire doug mank those are two of them and they're gonna be working together not only on a dc book but a dc black label book with a character that jeff has been dying to write forever now if anything's gonna make me drool it's something like that what about you brad yeah, I wonder uh, who it's going to be. Part of me was hoping maybe it's one of the Watchmen characters because I love them so much and want to see them explored more with, you know, through the work of a quality writer and artist. So part of me was kind of w- hoping that that's what the case will be. But in, in the basic thing, you know, at the end of the day, though, it's just good that they can work together because, uh, you know, in the article, it says that he, he's been, you know, Jeff Lemire has been a really big fan of Doug's for a long time. So uh, it, it's cool that we can finally get to see them collaborate. Uh, Seth, what was your take? First thing that always comes to mind is a great quote from my local comic shop, which says, in Jeff Lemire, we trust. Um, so that always is something I keep in nice. mind. Nice. I like that. Right? <laughs> and with good reason. I've recently been lucky enough to review Sweet Tooth. And the Sweet Tooth return has just been this really smart and intelligent review of something he did before, but telling a, a new chapter in a way that is brilliant. I loved his Inferior 5 work. Uh, it sounds like also... I almost want to read something into the fact that the first thing he fell in love with when it comes to Doug Mank's work is Frankenstein. And I just want to pause and go, could it be? Could it be that simple? Okay, I'll come back to that. 
And then I just want to consider all the other possible characters that are out there. Uh, I loved his, um, oh, Peacemaker series that he was running in the back of the inferior. So I feel like this is somebody who can do just about anything with almost any character. The only thing that sort of tickles my brain is what would be the one character he's always wanted to work on and now gets the chance to with an artist he's been dying to work on with. Isn't there nothing better than a great little brain puzzle? Mm. Kelly, what about you? I want so much more information because I, I will buy this. I just, I, I hate mysteries. And, <laughs> and you guys know that. I hate not knowing the answer. <laughs> and now I, I want to latch on to the Frankenstein thing. So I'm like, oh, that would be so cool. But I, I also don't want to, you know, lie to myself and, and be disappointed later. So I'm, I'm going to accept that this is a mystery, but it's a great mystery because it, a majority of what's come out through Black Label has been really fun to read. Um, and, and yeah, a team that has wanted to work together has, you know, a history of appreciating each other's work. I I can't see how this can possibly go wrong. And normally when I say something like that, I feel this little like tinge in my chest of like oh you know now it's going to go wrong you jinxed it and i don't even feel that right now because i'm like this it, it won't go wrong it can't i hope it's fine. that'd be so cool um steve what do you think I'm just sitting here giggling to myself because I hear you saying, I hate a mystery. I can't stand a mystery. And I feel the exact same way. I can almost see us both sitting here like Ralph Dibney with our noses twitching at this mystery, thinking, no, I can't need to solve this immediately. <laughs> Who is this character? Another um, bottle of Gingold. Let's go. There we go. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm stretching and wobbling all over the place at this mystery. Please, Lord, let us have an answer. But what a team i mean come on doug mank i mean for decades not years for decades i love this guy's art from from his work on under the red hood all the way up to his recent amazing one on detective comics and jeff lemire i mean come on black hammer um i don't know if you guys read any image comics his current title family tree is absolutely stellar um these two working together on a secret dc project for black label um where do I sign? Give me those comics and give them to me now because I want to drool all over them and then buy a second copy to keep safe. That's just yeah. The way I mean, I he, yeah, you can't go wrong with Jeff Lemire. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, that's almost guaranteed quality. So that's that's that in itself is exciting. I mean, am I right? In, I mean, to me, he's one of those writers who so far has yet to write anything I haven't liked. Yep. Uh, and I can't say that about a lot of writers these yeah. days, but him, he's never let us down. And Doug Mank, same. What an artist. Consummate comic book artist. Uh, yeah. He might not be a painter. He might not be one of these photorealistic guys. But when it comes to comic book art, comic book storytelling, heroes, villains, facial expressions, um, acting, uh, it, he's just a stellar artist. And to two of them together, give me more. Give me more. Now. Something else I want more of, not just because he's a fellow Brit, mind you, is Mr. Alfred Pennyworth. And I don't know if you guys have been reading Dark Knight's death metal, um, but um, are we getting a hint about him coming back? Everything is crossed. Brad. Uh, let's face it. We all know that Alfred's coming back and uh, it's just a matter mm -hmm. of when. 
you know, so uh, and, and it's given death metal and the whole omniverse thing. I think that that is a perfect time as any to bring him back. I think he's been gone long enough. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I say go ahead, bring him back as soon as possible. Uh, Seth, what do you think? That moment when I was reading death metal. And just that that quick appearance, you know, the idea of the black ring and and suddenly this this whole cadre of dead warriors standing side by side with Batman. And just that one. I mean, I swear you've once you've read him long enough, you know, I'm sure Steve can probably point this out, you know, clear as to us. You can hear the character's voice. Right. When you've read something long enough, there's a way it sounds. There's a pitch. There's almost a a sense of homecoming when it comes to In, certain things. Dubitably master singleton. <laughs> I, I had faith and my faith is rewarded. There was that moment in that panel when I heard his voice, I read his words and I heard his voice and it just tickled. That's the most heartfelt part of my soul that, that said, so is this where it begins? Is this part of the kindling? Is this just that tiny spark? Like, all it takes, right? Just a spark, just a little bit. And man, I was really excited at this possibility. I love that this is a tease. And I love that also, you know, he's recognizing the fact that there's someone else who's actually crafting whatever that eventual narrative will be. And Brad, you said it, he's coming back. Okay, so now that we know it, now we can just add a little bit more to the possibility, which is Mr. James the fourth is providing sort of the structure for how that's going to come about. Now, Kelly, I know you hate a mystery, but at the same time, this one at least has uh, a degree of expectation to it. We know who it involves. We just don't know how it's going to happen. So I'm encouraged by this. But then again, I'm also, as always, curious to hear your thoughts. What do you think? I see Alfred's death was one of those things that I refused to acknowledge for so long because I, I was it, it, I didn't want it to happen and I was upset that it happened. And I mean, it's comic books, you know, people come back. That's it's the best and worst trope of this this entire industry in a way. Um, and, and Alfred's death was something that I just refused to it's just not it's not feasible to me he's my one of my favorite characters in the entirety of the dc universe he is the one person who can sass both batman and bruce wayne like there is no tomorrow right and i need that in my life (laughs) i i need that alfred energy just constantly in comics so for me this can't be a mystery because i have this has to be the reality because I have yet to accept the current reality. So he has to come back. Otherwise, I'm going to need to go to therapy or something. Um, it's, I, I mean, it's kind of like they, they killed off uh, the butler on Archer and just never acknowledged it again in the show for several seasons. And they just had missing posters of him up. And that's pretty much there's just missing posters of Alfred in my head right now. Um, so he's going to come back. I'm not even going to call it a mystery. And if I'm wrong... I'm still not going to acknowledge it. What about you, Steve? I love you guys so much because you all think and feel the same way I do. And uh, let's be honest here, that 
death was just so out of left field, so cold, so heartless, so brutal, and with zero fanfare. Whenever a major character like that gets killed off, you usually know about it weeks or months in advance through social media or, or news outlets, and there wasn't a thing. So I thought, nope, he's not dead. Mm, this is a mistake. That was Clayface. That was uh, Jane Doe. That was anyone but Alfred. But then he stayed dead. And it just broke my heart because, like you said, Kelly, um, this character is the one man who can totally give Bruce what for. And Bruce can't argue back because he knows he's wrong. Alfred is right. Alfred is true. Alfred has been there for him since day one. And would he even be alive without this man? So the fact that he died so cruelly, so callously and so quickly with almost zero fanfare was just heartbreaking to me. And we've all said it. we've been saying it for well, coming up to a couple of years now, believe it or not, since he passed, that he would be back. And usually I will moan. I will say, oh, God, they've killed them. They're going to come back. But for every Jean Grey, please, God, let us stay dead moment is one like this where it's Alfred, please let him not be dead moments. And Seth, you said it. As soon as I heard those words, Ephraim Zimbalis Jr. was in my head with that acerbic wit, that sarcasm that only Alfred Pennyworth can convey. And I thought, yeah, I mean, I, I let for joy when Speedy came back in Death Metal, but when Alfred came back, mm. man... Ah, oh, you know those little jigs I do that I'm famous for, for wearing out my flaws <laughs> and all that kind of stuff? It was one of those moments. I read that comic book three times and every time Alfred's return. So, um, Mr. Tynan, you're James Tynan IV, yes? There will not be a fifth if you do not bring Alfred Pennyworth back. <sighs> breath, breath, breathe, Steve, count to ten. <sighs> Sorry about that. Back to our normal, regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> um, let's talk about Scott Snyder. And he has plans, big plans, major plans. And one of them involves <gasps> Wally West. Could it be? Brad, your thoughts, my friend. You know, since the whole rebirth thing, um, Wally West has been a really fascinating character. Uh, because he has played a part in so many important stories throughout, you know, what's gone on in the DC universe since Rebirth. So I'm glad that there's still going to be a a focus on him. And, uh, you know, just it seems like going forward, uh, you know, that that imp- his importance as a character is going to maintain that, like in the, in the grand scheme of the whole DC universe. So that's nice to see because I think his his view into the DC universe is very interesting and I'd like to see that continue. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, Seth, what'd you think? This is my flash. <laughs> this is, this is my flash. First comic Absolutely. I was ever given was flash number 49, which led into 50, which for me just, I saw this snot nosed somewhat twerpy young adult turn into a responsible man, an amazing speedster, a loving husband and father, and losing him the way we did with uh, the reset that preceded Rebirth was hard. And it's been hard since he came back because 
I mean, that moment where he and Barry, they just sort of like hold on to each other. Like they're the only two things in the world that can keep it from, you know, spinning out of control. My, my heart wept. My heart leapt. I was, I was grateful. And it's been hard to see all the things he's gone through, but I, I was grateful when after Heroes in Crisis, we saw him go on this unbelievable journey with Flash Forward and then come back around to us with a fervence that I, I really loved in death metal and a possible future from Future State, which is horrifying to comprehend and consider. But I have the utmost hope that that all of it is going to bring us a, a, a more informed, a greater, more powerful, a better Wally. And I'm I'm grateful that someone like Scott is looking at that that possibility and, and how it can be told. And I also just man, I want my Wally back. <laughs> I miss Wally. I, I love this guy. I I'm also encouraged by the fact that Steve, as you pointed out, one of the most beautiful stories from 2020 was that moment when we saw Superboy return to the world that he deserved for the reasons he deserved oh, yeah. it. Definitely. And I can only hope that something's possible now for Wally following the events of uh, Death Metal 7 and all of the things we can reconsider now, especially with the idea of some of the things that led up to it now being reset. So I have a lot of heart. I have a lot of hope. There were moments where Wally uh, and Wally and Linda and his relationship with Jay and Max and Impulse and so many other connections that now can be part of the future stories. It's 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 a happy thought for me. And uh, I'm going to enjoy reading everything I get to about Wally. That's that's my flash. That's one of my uh, touchstones when it comes to why I have this kind of hope. You read the stories about Wally, get back to me. Tell me you don't have even more hope than you did before you started reading them. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, I I, I love Wally West. And I mean, for me, my calling Wally West my flash comes more from, you know, my, my introduction to the wider Justice League was from the animated show that was out when I was a kid. And um, I, I just loved the character there and then wanted to read more about him. And he did, so I sort of, not lost interest, but it was a character I kind of stepped away from from a little bit, uh, for a little bit. But he's such a, a integral part of these huge things that happen in the DC universe. And he tends to get the short end of the stick. And that's terrible because he's such a fun, I mean, well, not so much fun anymore, but my childhood Kelly believed that he was a fun guy and I would love to see him kind of come back as, as you were saying into a world that he deserves and, and back into um, you know still a big role but maybe something with a little bit um, a little bit more hope in it that would be my hope at least that there is hope um, what do you think Again, beautifully said, both, all three of you. Um, Wally West is just one of those, to me, all-time great characters. Now, I am a little bit older than most of you, and I grew up reading about Jay Garrick and the Justice Society. I read about Barry Allen as part of the Justice League, but like you, Seth, but for very different reasons, Wally West is my Flash. But that's because, for me, he was Flash, and I saw his journey as Flash 
from day one because I saw him as Kid Flash. I saw him as a sidekick. I saw him as a member of the original Teen Titans. And then when I was 15, 16 years old, the Crisis on Infinite Earths happened and Barry Allen died. And this kid who I grew up with and one of the few characters, apart from Spider-Man and, and Dick Grayson, one of the few characters who I saw and grew up with in the comics took that step forward and unlike dick who didn't become batman for years later wally west took that step from boy to man and from kid flash to flash and he was flash for years barry allen is one of those characters that stayed dead for many many years and i followed wally's adventures and like you said seth this guy was full of hope he was a young guy he was more idealistic he didn't have some of the trauma or darkness of the past that some of his predecessors had and he was just a hero who was enjoying himself having a great time and being an inspiration for others and then new 52 and he vanished and it was just like whoa where is he i mean you guys have where's waldo in the uk those books are called where's wally and that's exactly how i felt where is wally and like you again mentioned that beautiful moment in rebirth issue one where he returned and he's filing his way back his own wife doesn't recognize him and then suddenly barry is the one who pulls him out of the speed force and says those words how could i ever forget you and that still to me is one of the most powerful beautiful memories in comics of the last few years i love that issue but then and people complain about it his fall in heroes in crisis but to me he's the only character that could really happen to because he was that beacon of hope but then he lost it all he was forgotten by everybody for decades and he lost his wife and his children the realistic thing would be for him to have some kind of breakdown but as is the way with all real heroes and part of the reason i love batman is he gets knocked down he gets beaten to within an inch of his life but the guy stands back up and unless you kill him he is going to come back out there and the same with wally west he suffered horrible tragedies he lost his mind but he's going to come back the hero we know the hero we love because he inspires the writers and artists who create his stories just as much as he inspires the readers who love him so big plans for Lee west thumbs up from this reader and by the sounds of it thumbs up from all my colleagues too um yep i want to read more flash forward was just the beginning death metal was chapter two more wally west please now mr snyder has also teased other things but this time that he's going to be handling two not one two big dc projects are in the works for 2021 brad what'd you make of this story oh you can never have too much scott snyder you know um and, you know we talked to uh, when we talked to him he you know he said that he was going to take a step back and you know focus on those creator owned stuff and maybe smaller stories so when when we say big projects i think it's still going to be smaller in scale than you know your death metals and things like that so it might be an important story focusing on one character uh something like that which i think would be you know similar to his black label um uh batman series uh so 
yeah, I think that it's going to be cool to see what he comes up with. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, searching and searching and scoring the Internet to see what I can find out about this when they finally announce some news. So, yeah, um, can never have too much Scott Snyder. Uh, Seth, what do you think? <laughs> can you ever really? It's like too much fun. It's like, you know, <laughs> too much energy, too much uh, gasoline in the car. Like, how is it possible to have too much fun? Uh, now, granted, uh, what these projects could be, how big of a scope or scale. Uh, I love the fact that you you referenced something, Brad, which is that he mentioned he was going to be taking a back seat. This article points that out as well, that he's letting others shine and taking the opportunity because he's in that backseat to play around with some other ideas and get ready for these new projects. Even if there's something like Last Night on Earth, which was such a fun, short, tight, complete, really interesting narrative that was, you know, so quick compared to Metal and Death Metal, which are these like bah, sprawling, unbelievable, touches every corner aspect of everything. I think we're going to enjoy it. I think the fun part is that it could come out of anywhere, either from the whole infinite frontier idea that was, you know, recently teased at, or what other insights he might have had. I mean, one of the great things about death metal is how many parts of DC's history it touched on. Can you imagine the gems discovered along the way that you would simply just find kind of tickling your brain, especially when you create as much as he does, when you write as often as he does? And I'm also just keeping in mind something great that he said in that interview, which was that Grant Morrison really gave him gave him a, a, an important way of looking at things. And that when it comes to every character he's working on, he needs to have their ending sort of in his mind, a sense of how these characters end and then use that. And that feels like something that he could take with so many different characters that really... I think the possibilities are limitless. I think the excitement is palpable. Kelly, curious to hear your thoughts. Ah, more mystery. But still, good mystery, but mystery. Um, yeah, I, I I, am happy to hear that he's still going to be working with DC. Um, and it does sound like a very natural transition to sort of you know he's been doing these huge events so to kind of step away and say you know some of the the other talented people are going to be taking on you know the the bigger scope things but still they're saying two big projects so I assume it's going to be um you know maybe maybe something closer to you know Brad as you were saying like a, a single character or something like that but in any case I I mean he's still there we still get we still get him he's still on the table, and we get to see other people shine even more. Um, so I, I fail to see a downside in any of this. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be scouring the internet too, because I just, I gotta know. I mean, maybe we won't know until the end of the year, but I gotta know. Um, Steve, what do you think? Exactly what you all said. Scott Snyder is just one of those writers where, again, he I'll pick up virtually anything I see his name on. He's a great writer, and having spoken to him, having met him with you lovely people, he's also a really cool, lovely guy to boot. So when you mix a nice person with great talent, that just makes you more excited to read his work. And like you, Kelly, yes, I will be scouring the interwebs for any news of what these plans are. And luckily, as a news editor as well as writer, I've got a source on the stories for my writing teams at 
Dark Knight News and Fantastic Universe. I need to find these stories. So fingers crossed, I'll have my finger on the pulse. And I do send the occasional direct message to Scott. He sends me the occasional sneak peek at some of the comics that I review. So fingers crossed, I'll be able to get some scoops in the months to come. But if I do, you, my brothers and sister, will be the first to know. But Brad, you said it. Anything with Scott's name on, sign me up. I'm there. I'm interested. And uh, something else I'm interested in. I don't know if you guys know this, but I kind of like Batman. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that before. Maybe once or twice. Oh, muttered under my As brain. an aside, perhaps. Yeah, every now and then I might have said that. And um, something that's excited me greatly. And the, the fact that I called who it was before anyone else did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> makes me happy. But John Ridley has talked about Tim Fox's Batman uh, appearing beyond future states and possibly beyond the pages of the comic book. Mr. F, please tell me your thoughts. I, you know, I, I to, to anybody listening, find, you know, read this, uh, read this interview. Uh, it was a very, very good interview. And um, what Brad I, said. Yep. I think that, um, it's not. I think that it, we were bound to see more of of this new Batman past uh, future state. Uh, there was so much marketing and so much heavy push that you know that John really was writing the series and it was going to be this kind of groundbreaking thing. And uh, you know now we've we've seen the first issue at this point and that momentum hasn't died down at all. So I think that this is almost like the flagship of of future state really so uh and and i'm i'm happy that we are going to you know get to see get to see more of it and i'm really curious on how the character is going to interact with bruce wayne you know and and all that so that'll be that'll be some fun storytelling that we have to look forward to you know you know after future state and then you know in the next few months of uh, of the year uh seth what was your take so for starters, um, yes, what Brad said, read this interview, read, read it once, then read it again. It's packed, I mean, chock full of so many, I mean, there's a way you can talk about things and hedge and hem and haw, and it feels like John Ridley was like, yeah, so for every question you ask, I'm going to give you that 10 to 15 minute answer. Go ahead. Let's go. And with each one of these answers, I was struck by this sense of awareness regarding everything he's being asked and the way that he's framing it, whether he's talking about um, some great teasers. Like, uh, I have to be political in answering this question. I would say there will be some interesting things going on with Bane. Like, how does that not feel like a little feather just tickling your brain? Or is that just me? I, I, I can't say for certain. But... What we had already considered with the other history, with the idea behind the Batman story that he's telling with Future State and where we might be able to see it later. There's so much that's considered here. And there's this there's a complexity that I feel uh, introduces so many great narratives that we can look forward to from this approach and also from the storytelling involved. But also the idea that, you know, he's recognizing the fact that when you're talking about a, a a new identity behind the cowl and the way that's going to perceive uh, the challenges that are facing Batman from the magistrate to the, the peacekeepers to 
the laws to uh, the reverberating effects that we've seen from stories like uh, recently with uh, Batman and regarding characters like Nakano and now what it looks like just a little bit down the line. It it really leads to some interesting and powerful possibilities. And I loved every answer in here. Part of me is like going, ah, if I can just pull one or two more moments like that out. And yet at the same time, uh, his overall response to the idea of who is Batman and what does he mean? Steve, I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this because, you know, that, that example where he's talking about, sure, you know, you think to yourself, I, I, I could go to the, the gym and do some push-ups and I could learn some martial arts. And he's like, yeah, and maybe, maybe, but you could also be a doctor or a nurse. We connect with Batman because he represents the potential that we all have for the things we're all striving to be and become. And I felt like that was such a a theme to every answer he was giving in this, that if I'm going to try and highlight any one thing, that that would be it. You know, he draws this connection to Batman that's very personal. And then he shows why and how Batman relates to us in very personal ways and how he's aware of that with the Batman story he's telling. If I can give you any incentive to read this interview, it would hopefully be through that description. However, gratefully, Brad preceded me and did much better. And I know that Kelly and Steve will be right after me. And the things they're going to say, that's going to help make it more complete. Hopefully, I just had enough enthusiasm for, you know, a fun addition. Kelly, what's your take? Yeah, I, this is a fantastic interview. Um, and I'm very excited to see this new Batman. Um, and I, I think part of what has made me enthusiastic about this is that sort of, you know, as you guys were saying, he has these very thoughtful and complex answers. Um, and you can tell that he's thought so much about not only what, um, you know, what Tim will mean as Batman, but also what Batman as a whole means. Um, you know, Seth, as you were saying, how Batman or what Batman means to all of us as individuals reading this book. Um, but then also how, as time passes and, you know, now as we're, we're moving into the, the future of Batman and the next person to take up the cowl, um, how does that idea of a vigilante change and how does that symbol of um you know justice and and you know the possibility of peace what does that mean as the world is in different circumstances and it'll i think it'll be very interesting to see how that mantle transforms from you know say bruce wayne all the way through um and also to see a new character define it for themselves and kind of come to terms with the fact that this is the way that they're going to make the mark, their mark in the world um yeah, I, I am just so excited, and I'm such a big fan of, you know, writers, artists, and any creative team who seems to just dive into the character and try to understand every single facet of a character, um, and, and that they connect to it and then use that to write the story. Just It, it makes it palpably exciting. Um, so, yeah, I am, I'm just on the edge of my seat for this one. Steve, what do you think? I recently read issue two of uh, Next Batman, and it, it builds on the first issue in, in incredible ways. And um, while the first issue did still tease that it might be Luke Fox under the mask, um, issue two clearly lifts that veil. And like we said, we, we, we guessed that 
weeks ago when Tim made his first appearance back during the Joker War. And, and like you said, Seth, yeah, I'm very excited about this. That I, I love Batman and I like any Batman that both respects the past but looks towards the future i mean one of the things that batman deep beyond did amazingly well was it created a brand new batman with a brand new outlook but did it while honoring and respecting the original batman and this new batman once you've issue two understand where i'm coming from does that but again in a completely different way because tim fox is a batman much more like bruce's was during the year one era when he had few allies he didn't have a cave full of gadgets he was a man operating on his wits from the shadows from the sidelines an urban myth a figure of terror in a city of terror and this tim fox batman is in much the same position this magistrate this force that's taken over gotham city cannot be trifled with they are everywhere they're watching every move he has to have his entire face covered because their facial id recognition is so powerful that it could tell who he is and unlike bruce he does have a flesh and blood family to protect so this batman is right back in the shadows minimal weaponry minimal gadgetry fighting with every fiber of his being and having this stripped back almost 1930s batman back and we've got him back in other ways in a generation shattered but that's a different story is fascinating to read and when you get a writer of this caliber who clearly grew up reading comic books who clearly loves comic books who did fantastic work with his other history of the dc universe um issue uh, I can't help but be excited. This is a class A writer. And then you get the weird, the different, the quirky, the enigmatic art by Nick Derrington accompanying this series. I'm just loving everything. I'm reading every Future State title and I'm probably going to end up buying all of them now. I was umming and erring. Brad, we were talking about this for weeks, which ones I was going to pick up. I yeah. think I'm going to pick them up, all of them up, because everything I've oh, read has just did too. blown my mind. Yeah. Um, it's just I been tried stellar. to stop myself, but yeah. No, because yeah. obviously we're in a lucky position. We've read the first three. Actually, well, I've read the first three weeks. Well, I don't know if Josh has shared week three of Future State with you guys. Yeah, you just read um, issue one of Next Batman, right? Yeah, yeah, I, that's all I've read okay. so far. I haven't gone. Uh, to see, I haven't actually gone into the box yet. Even you know, that's, uh, I, I plan to do that, but I haven't. As far as that future state, because I've been just reading the actual issues. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> I've I've initially thought I'd just read the ones I have to, the ones I'm going to review, and the ones my team are reviewing at Dark Knight News. But once I'd read Next Batman. Once I'd read Dark Detective, once I'd read Robin Eternal, then I read Teen Titans, then I thought, what? Then I read Batman Superman, and I've just read Immortal Wonder Woman number one. Kelly, 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 wow. Um, that's, all, that's all I have to say. Um, guys, um, it's two months worth where you're going to be spending a lot of money, but listeners, readers pick up future state pick up as much of it as you can carry because it's going to have an effect and this interview like you said um this interview is awesome read it because it's clearly a guy who's passionate about the work he's creating so seth i hope that was uh, as good an answer as you're expecting or <laughs> hoping from me my friend <laughs> 
as good as I could ever hope for, better than I could ever imagine, my friend. Of course, you you meet and exceed. It's it's your default position. Uh, <laughs> the, Batman the is my you, jam. Yeah, well, and and with someone who understands that the way John Ridley explains it in this interview, with the depth and and scope yeah. that he foresees. I mean, man, you have to respect someone who, with each answer, says, "Let me tell you." how well I understand the question you're asking me, how much I can tell you, and how much I hope that informs what I'm doing with this character. I mean, yeah, it, it it's a lot of good things to be excited for. Your answer was perfect, as was everyone's. Outstanding. So, guys, uh, Lady Kelly, anything we've talked about this evening that you wanted to add anything to any little brush strokes we may have missed any other little comments you'd like to add about anything we've talked about this evening it's all going to be really good <laughs> and <laughs> who could argue with yep. that all of the stuff like it's it's all going to be really good i mean my goodness from the expectations of of wally and batman to I mean, my goodness, look what Mr. Snyder's doing in the background that he's not going to tell us about until later. And then we've got brain teasers from Jeff Lemire. Like, really? Yeah, it's all going to be good. (laughs) I think one thing that's kind of cool, too, you know, Kelly, you were saying, oh, maybe we'll see it by, you know, by the end of the year. But really, we might get to see some of that before the end of the year, because right now, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but. We know going forward what series are going to go monthly and, and their creative teams, but we really don't know much beyond that. So it's pretty much a, going to be a blank slate this year. So I'm sure there's a lot of big announcements that we don't even know about yet that are going to be coming soon. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. And <laughs> Kelly, the mystery of the utility belts and the Green Lantern ring. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, I'm ready. Diff- oh, you're not. Believe me, you're not ready. <laughs> but you'll love it. Um, so that was episode 101 of the powerful, the mighty, the unstoppable DC Comics News podcast. But before we go away, dear listener, dear friend, we're going to let you know where each of my colleagues can be reached, can be spoken with or to, and where you can read more of their work. Brad, where can the multiverse find you, dear sir? Uh, you can find me writing news reviews at DC Comics News. Uh, you can find me on this year podcast and the Mad Love uh, Harley Quinn podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at uh, FlickyB1. And Seth, where can people find you? You can find me with the finest group, the finest fellowship of fans right here on the weekly podcast with such an amazing group. Really, uh, you guys are a treat. Uh, you can also find me hosting the Spinner Rack. You can find me getting a little raunchier on Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast. If you haven't been listening, you should. You get to hear the other side of everyone on this podcast. And trust me, the things they say, they can live with you for a very long time. You can also find me out there on the wider web. Just type Seth Singleton and the word story into a search engine. And Kelly, where can the good people find you? You can find me on our other podcast, Mad Love the Harley Quinn cast. 
You can find me doing opinion and editorial pieces for DC Comics News. You can also find me on DC Comics News YouTube doing DCN After Dark with my good friend Tony. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at KelGamesWrite. What about you, Steve? Most weeks you can find me on this wonderful show with these wonderful superhumans that I call my friends, the DC Comics News podcast. I occasionally appear on the Mad Love podcast too. And if you thought I couldn't get any more crazy, (laughs) think again, my friends. I also appear with my son or various other guests talking about Batman the Animated Series on the I Am The Night podcast on this very network. But hey, I don't just bother your ears you can read my work too by typing in fantastic universes or steve j rains your search engine of choice and that'll take you to dc comics news to dark knight news to fantastic universes the places where i write my inane insane ramblings on the written page too um you can hear other podcasts on the comics and motion news feed or you can listen to all the shows we've mentioned spinner rack i am the knight DC Comics News Podcast and Harley Quinn cast Mad Love on the DC Comics News feed. You're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Google Play. You can read DC Comics News and Dark Knight News all across the interwebs and on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram and the Tube of You. But um, apart from that, please chat to us on Twitter at lstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. Follow this uh, show, all the other shows on the network. Like us, rate us, review us, subscribe. Tell us what we're doing right and hopefully not too much of what we're doing wrong. But if we are doing wrong, we want to fix it because we love you. So until our next episode, there's something that everybody out there really needs to do. And what is that, gang? Read. More. Comic. Comics, comics, comics. See you next week.